0: Hi, I'm Maria Harris or Sos on social media. Welcome back to Sew so Over 50 podcast on Sew so Organised Style. Stay listening. Sew so Organised Style podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for coming back to Sew Over 50 podcast as we continue with this series featuring the men who sew in the Sew Over 50 community. Sew Over 50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is sew over ageism. Stephen Orr at Aril Heller is our first guest for the 2022 series about the men who sew in our community. Yes, he sews for others as well. Thanks for being today's Sew Over 50 guest today, Stephen.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: What response did you receive when you were featured by SAV-50 earlier this year?
1: It was an amplification of the response I've gotten since I've been sharing my sewing. I started sewing three years ago when I retired from being a chiropractor. Then after a while, I've been on Facebook for a while, and I started putting up some of my makes on Facebook. And then it was probably one of my children who said, oh, you you ought to go on Instagram and create a site. So that's when I created my page on Instagram and started putting up pictures of my makes and started getting feedback from people. And people started following me. And then when someone follows me, I follow them back. And then I started exploring all the different hashtags that people would put after their posts. And that's how I found So Over 50. I'm also in So Over 60. I could be in So Over 70. I should be, I'm, I'm 72. And what I found is that it's just incredibly positive. The feedback is all constructive, all positive, all affirming, and helpful. And, you know, sewing is solitary. I'm sitting at the machine. I often listen to podcasts or listen to music while I'm sewing, but it's not a social thing. Mm. Having this network of people who I feel like I know just from having their feedback, giving them feedback has just been a very enriching experience.
0: I think the fact that you started sewing three years ago and seeing your makes such impressive work.
1: You know, one of the questions you asked was, what is your motto? Uh, And one of the mottos that I have in life is if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. (laughs) And uh, I don't do anything halfway. When I started, you know, I had just retired. I I knew I needed something to fill some time in my life. And I had always had an interest in it. As it turns out, three of my grandparents were tailors. All four of my grandparents were refugees from Eastern Europe, Russia and Poland, and came over to this country. And my maternal grandfather, Max, was a master tailor and pattern maker in the garment district in New York in the 30s, 40s and 50s. And so it's kind of was in my blood and, you know, I have some time on my hands now. That'd be something that I think I would like to do. And I had a friend who gave me a sewing machine she had three. So she gave me uh, an old singer that she didn't need. And there was a local gal who was attached to a, a sewing room here. And I took three lessons from her. Three one hour lessons where she taught me just the basics of sewing seams and the mechanics of the machine and working with fabric. And my goal initially was to make a shirt. There was a, a store here in San Francisco that sold indie design camp shirt. And I used to buy clothes from them and then they went out of business. And I thought, well, I still like that style of shirt. And so I'm going to try and make one. That's all I wanted to do when I when I embarked on this was to make myself a shirt. And that was three years ago. And I wore it for Christmas dinner. I was very proud of it. And now when I look at it, I think, oh my God, I <laughs> it's so bad. That's how I got started. And then I just dove in. And I, my attitude has always been to try and challenge myself, to try and expand my skill set by tackling something that maybe I haven't done before. And I'm very practical in my choice of what I make. It's always practical. It's always stuff that either I will wear or members of my family, or I've given away a lot of clothing. And I've had a few commissions as well. So it's just been this journey where it's an obsession. It's created a serious fabric addiction.
0: That's really good to hear. <laughs> and I can identify with that. You started because you wanted to fill time. Somebody gave you a sewing machine. Right. The need was to get a camp shirt, which you did.
1: You know, it was a commercial pattern at first. I'm sure it was maybe a burda mm-hmm. and learned how to cut out the pattern, learned how to transfer it to the fabric. I, at the time, didn't have a rotary cutter. I was using scissors and pieced it together. Made okay. several mistakes, got to know my seam ripper very well <laughs> and got a shirt out of it. Didn't fit very well, but it was a project.
0: Three years later, they're all fitting really well.
1: They're getting there. I'm, you know, I'm learning and yeah.
0: For your body, when you get a shirt pattern, what are your key adjustments that you will usually do?
1: Well, that's one thing. I'm sort of large and a lot of the patterns are not made for a large size man. On a lot of these patterns, I'm a 3XL. Mm -hmm. In real life, normally just an XL, but it's just the way the patterns are made, I guess. On certain things, I will do a muslin mock-up, especially if I'm doing something for another person. I've done a fair amount of outerwear. If I do a jacket, I've done a a fair number of bomber jackets for my kids and for relatives. So I will usually make a muslin just to make sure we have the right fit. But for myself, for the garments that I make for myself, typically I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things work out. Sometimes I have to lengthen the sleeves a little bit. You know, usually at at one point in the construction, when I'm about to sew the side seams on the body, I'll do a basting and try it on and make sure I like the way it fits and then adjust the seam allowance accordingly. So I, I tend to start out maybe a little bit larger and then think, oh, it's a little baggy. I take it in here. So I'll make the adjustment.
0: And when you do a test garment for somebody else, what's their experience when you're fitting them?
1: Well, I had a commission recently, a woman, a friend of mine was going to her son's wedding and the wedding was a Austin Powers themed wedding. So she got this very fun fabric, you know, retro fifties fabric. It was like a Jersey. Uh And so I'd never worked with that kind of fabric before. So with that one, I had some Jersey material that I used and I made up uh, a mock of it and then had her come over and try it on. And, you know, we made some adjustments there. And then it ended up being a perfect fit afterward. I've done some dresses for my daughter. I did a couple of pregnancy dresses when she was pregnant with her last child. Uh, and then I've done a ton of clothes for my grandkids. I have three grandkids. That's always the most fun. Wow. And some Halloween costumes. And uh, you know, now I'm the go-to person for that kind of stuff. And, and what I really love is making clothes for other people. I have a closet bursting with my stuff that's for me. But I really come alive when I have someone who I care about, who I'm making a a garment for. The whole way through the beginning to the end of that garment, I've got that person in my head. I'm thinking about them and every stitch I'm sending them love. And that's what I get out of this.
0: Going back to your online name, how did you develop it?
1: I grew up with the name where... People would say, oh, you, you must be quite a helligan if you're a heller, or, uh, mm-hmm. or a heller someone who uh, raises hell. I grew up as a kid with red hair, got into trouble a lot as a kid. I guess I lived up to the name. So it, it just was natural.
0: When it comes to sewing, is finding a fabric for yourself a challenge?
1: The way I tend to approach the creative process is I, usually going fabric first. When I started out, I was just going to the brick and mortar store, basically stone mountain in Berkeley, and they have a large selection. So I would just walk through the store and feel the fabrics. And when something would catch my eye, I wouldn't even have necessarily have a project in mind. If I fell in love with the fabric, I would say, I'm going to buy enough to make something. And then I'll put it in my stash and then eventually I'll find the right use for it. And then when pandemic hit and couldn't go to shopping in brick and mortar anymore. It turned to online shopping for fabric. And that opened up a whole world of fabric stores from all over. And I would often go on a site and just get lost for two hours scrolling through fabrics. Mm -hmm. You know, and something would just grab me. You know, I I tend to like bold prints. I went through a whole cave facet period where I bought a bunch of his fabrics and have a, a lot of shirts that I made for myself and for other people with his stuff. I'm drawn towards bold prints that make a statement and then kind of mixing and matching things that maybe wouldn't normally go together and find mm-hmm. ways to put them together.
0: Actually, with your creative process, you don't waste fabric either. I've seen a couple of examples where you've used the last part of a print with another fabric and it looks really impressive.
1: Yeah, you're probably referring to that shirt that I, that I put up recently that was uh, had a front yoke that was uh, from a, a Japanese fabric. One of the other ways that I utilize what I have in my stash is I've also been making bags, tote bags and purses and cross shoulder little backpacks that I've gotten into. And I've, I did last Christmas, I did a bunch of presents for people. My wife's an artist and she had an open house uh, studio of her paintings and I put out a bunch of my bags and, and sold them. So that's a great way to, to kind of utilize leftover scraps, uh, remnants is you don't need large pieces for that, and I can get really wild on some of the patterns and some of the fabrics.
0: And it's good that you were able to develop a whole bunch of them and sell them. So at least that way, someone's getting use out of it too.
1: Yeah, I put them up on Facebook, and usually I'll have like a batch of maybe six that I'll put up on Facebook, and there people want to buy them right away. And I'm sure I'm, I'm not charging enough, but I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it just to keep sewing. Good. Way to pay for my fabric addiction.
0: <laughs> I mean, three years of being addicted to sewing is really impressive.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's just fun for me. You know, before I was a chiropractor, mm-hmm. I was a cabinet maker. I, so I used to make mm-hmm. furniture. And the process of being a furniture maker, cabinet maker, you're starting out with pieces of wood, and a cutting list. You cut the wood according to the the pattern, if you will, and put them together. And from that, you create a functional object. And sewing is very much the same thing for me. You know, I've got pieces of cloth, I've got a cutting list, I've got a pattern, put them together, and all of a sudden you have a coat or a shirt or a pair of slacks or a bag. And so it's that creative urge and and satisfaction that I used to get from woodworking I now get from sewing it's something where at the end of a process I can sit back and look at that and go I made that Mm -hmm. I created that three days ago that didn't exist now it does because I was able to figure out how to do it and so that kind of what keeps me going
0: what patterns do you favor
1: and I know you've talked about the difficulty of men finding patterns for, for clothing Yep. I shop everywhere for them. Wardrobe by me. Yes. They have quite a few good patterns for men's. Their tropical shirt, I've probably made 30 of them. It's quick sew, it works well. And when I make them, because I use oftentimes wild prints, I love to match the print match up along the center and pockets. One of my things is that I like creating invisible pockets. Yeah. Where you match it so well that, wait, there's a pocket there. You know, and that takes a little extra time and a little extra fabric, but keeps me going. Twig and Tail is another site that I like. They have wonderful children's patterns, but they also have some really wonderful adult outerwear patterns. They have a vest I've made a couple of and a coat. I did a lined wool coat. That was one of their patterns. Green Pepper is another Mm -hmm. one. In fact, one of my most ambitious projects was I did a, a lined hooded raincoat. That was quite involved, and it, it challenged me. I'm very proud of that. Thread theory also has some good men's patterns. And then the traditional ones, Burda, so easy, so quick. I'll just go online, and if I'm looking for a particular thing, like my daughter said she wanted a masculine overshirt. That's where I learned the word shacket. You know, I just searched, searched a bunch of sites and found a pattern that that I thought I could work with. And the pattern didn't happen to be lined, but I figured out a way to line it and made her her it. I love it when one of my kids says, hey, dad, I could use this or that.
0: And you get a lot out of sewing for others, don't you? Because you said you put a lot of love into it.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: You do a lot of research to find sewing patterns for men. But you obviously find the ones that you want to wear because you said you're very practical and you go from the the fabric.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple of go-to shirt patterns that I'll use and I have made only two pairs of slacks. I find that still challenging. That's kind of maybe down the road. I still have a hard time making jeans that I feel are as good as the commercial jeans. I did make myself a sport coat. That was a a reach for me.
0: You've done such amazing work in three years and kept at it. Thank you. So when it comes to sewing for men, because you sew for everybody, so sorry for this question, what sewing techniques should people learn?
1: You know, there's the famous burrito technique for flipping when you have a double yoke to enclose the seams and, you know, once you learn that, once you do that two or three times, it becomes second nature. And it, it's like one of those magic tricks of sewing. Mm-hmm. The first time you're doing it, you're going, what is this going to work? This seems counterintuitive. But then once you do it and you flip the fabric out and you go, oh, wow, there you mm-hmm. go. It worked. That attach different ways of, of collars and attaching the collars. You know, I have some that I, I still struggle with. The way the under collar gets flipped over and sewn and oftentimes right here, I this point in the front of the under collar, it doesn't come out perfect. And I have to end, end up doing some hand sewing, you know, so that's something that, you know, you practice with putting pockets on. I made my daughter some pregnancy dresses. I put pockets in and she, she said, oh my God, pockets on my dress. This is, this is revolutionary. But as far as, you know, men's versus women's, it, a seam is a seam is a seam. I don't see that the techniques are that different. There's some things I've done when I've done dresses of gathering fabric that you don't do too often on men's apparel, but where you have a, like a full skirt and you have to gather it up and things like that, that's uh, maybe a little bit different. But other than that, a garment is a garment.
0: It's good to hear for people who have not sewn for men, they have the skills to be able to do that so that they should just try it.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and it's actually typically like especially tops and jackets for men, they're not as fitted as women's tops jackets are. So, you know, you don't have the darts that you would in a, a woman's top. Those aren't particularly hard to do. It's like anything. Once you've done it once, you say, oh, yeah, this the mystery's gone. This is what it's supposed to look like. And once you've screwed it up two or three times, then you definitely know how to do it. And I've screwed up so many times. I've sewn sleeves on upside down. I've ended up cutting a piece of the garment where I'd have maybe a right front lying on the table and I don't realize it's a piece from the garment and I'll use that to cut out the cuffs Mm -hmm. and I go oh I just cut up a piece that I cut out now I don't have enough fabric for the front so I've made so many mistakes I have picked some fabrics for a shirt that when the shirt was made it just did not work it was either too flimsy or too silky or, or filmy. And I was like, oh, I can't wear this. It's, it doesn't look good. I've got a, a, probably three or four shirts that I've never even put the buttons or buttonholes in. And then buttonholes are a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. You got to be willing to make mistakes. It's just fabric. No one dies when a shirt dies.
0: Exactly. When did you discover the sour of 50 community?
1: probably early on when I started putting things up on Instagram and I started looking at hashtags that other people were putting up. So, and just in a way to get my posts spread out as much as possible, I just started copying hashtags from other people's. And so that's how I stumbled upon you guys. And you were always like very encouraging of us men, outsiders.
0: Oh, you're part of the community. And I know that Judith and Sandy do a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure that everybody, including the men, are welcomed. Yeah. As a retired chiropractor, is there any advice you want listeners to know about?
1: Well, this is very important. Get yourself a good chair. Mm -hmm. You spend a lot of time sitting. And uh, that's one thing I did right away is I bought a very good ergonomic chair with a swivel and height adjustments and good lumbar support because you're sitting a lot and you're concentrating on your work and you're not paying attention to your posture. And uh, so everything you, you can do and then getting up and walking around and stretching, I try and get up. Not sit for too long a period of time with the way I have my workspace. And my workspace is actually our dining room. I don't have a dedicated sewing room, but I've got my dining table. I've got usually three machines on the table, two sewing machines and a serger. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm doing something with top stitching, I'll usually have top stitching in one machine. I'll maybe do a seam and then if I'm doing top stitching or another type of seam, I'll get up and walk around the table to the other machine or try and get up, give myself an excuse to get up often.
0: So even if you don't have a dedicated sewing space, get a decent chair?
1: Yeah, decent chair for sure. And having the height of the chair and the machine, a place where you're not hunched over and, you know, you you use, use good body mechanics. When I'm in the middle of a project, I'll get lost and I, my wife would come sometimes and say, Stephen, you got to get up. You've been sitting there for five hours. So we'd get <laughs> up, take the dog for a walk.
0: That's good. Finally, what advice would you give listeners who are starting to sew for men?
1: Now you're saying sewing for men or men who are sewing. That's two different things. Yeah. And I'd rather encourage men To take up sewing because it seems that that's a stigma that needs to be lifted. That you know that sewing is is a a female gender specific activity, and you know just the fact that both of my grandfathers were tailors tells me that that certainly wasn't always the case. And back in the in the early days of the garment district in New York, most of the tailors were men. A lot of the women who worked in the sewing sweatshops. But it was the men who were the master tailors. And, you know, that I'm sure was a a product of the patriarchy of the time. So I would say just dive into anyone, dive in, make mistakes, know that you're going to make mistakes. Start out with cheap fabric, but know that the same garment made with cheap fabric and one made with good fabric, the good fabric one's going to look a lot nicer. It's been a wonderful journey for me. I certainly feel like I'm still very much a beginner and I have a lot to learn. I try and Choose projects that will expand my my skill set every time. If I see a pattern that has something that oh I, I haven't done a wealth pocket before, maybe I should stay away from it. When I hear that voice, then I want to say no. That's a sign that you need to go ahead and try that and practice it, and you know to get get good at it. And so I just I keep learning, and that keeps it fresh. And although. It's possible to save a lot of money by making your own clothes. That hasn't been my experience (laughs) because for good or bad, I happen to have very good taste in fabric. I tend to make things that maybe aren't bargain basement. And that's my choice. Yeah, so I appreciate this. Appreciate being here and, and chatting with you.
0: I'm really glad that you were able to come onto the podcast to give some encouraging words to the male listeners out there to try mm-hmm. sewing because you've been doing it for three years and you're still at it and you still enjoy it
1: oh yeah e- even more so and it's you know it's uh certainly had its challenges and it's frustrating at times and I've uh, wanted to throw the sewing machine across the room a couple of times and mm-hmm. I've broken quite a few needles uh, as we all have and when you're in the supermarket and someone comes up to you and says oh that's a great shirt where'd you get that Mm -hmm. and you can say i made it and and see the surprise on their face that you made that yeah so that to me makes it all worthwhile
0: it does it really does yeah well steven thank you so much for coming on to saw over 50s podcast
1: you're welcome it was it was a pleasure
0: and have a lovely day listeners listeners if you want to be a guest editor about a topic that you wish to share with So Over 50 followers, make sure you direct message So Over 50 on Instagram. This episode of So Organised Style Podcast for So Over 50 was produced by me, Maria Harris with permission of Stephen, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style Podcast but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free So Over 50 podcast archive, And if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.